Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Support for Mississippi Edition comes from Trustmark, featuring My Trustmark online and mobile banking. Monitor accounts and information, transfer funds, create special alerts and reminders. Details at trustmark.com. Member FDIC. Good morning. It's 830. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, the second presidential debate is in history. We'll have analysis from a Democratic and Republican strategist. Then a visit from the experts of everyday tech on streaming services and a conversation with the state economist on Mississippi's economic future. One of the things that I think that has really affected growth for the past several years has been a lot of uncertainty. Whether or not a new president brings about less uncertainty, I, I don't know. I mean, that's a very difficult question um, in terms of, of what the two candidates uh, right now, in terms of their policies that they're proposing. There's trade-offs. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Many are still trying to figure out who won the second presidential debate. They went ahead to head in the second of three debates last night. We are less than a month away from an election that both sides are presenting as crucial to America's future. And with us this morning in the studio with analysis are Republican Austin Barber and Democrat Brandon Jones. Both are active in their respective parties in Mississippi and give us insight on the political process. Good morning to both of you. Good morning. morning. Now, shortly before the debate began, Again, uh, John Podhoritz, the editor of Commentary, tweeted that this was, quote, the weirdest single moment in modern American political history, unquote. All right. So having heard that, who, if anyone, was the winner for last night's debate? Austin, you start. Um, who was the winner? I, I don't really. I, you can't just say this person won and this person lost. Um so I'm going to go at it a different way. I think Hillary had a big opportunity last night, and I think she came out um, and missed a whole lot of opportunities, maybe to take uh, Donald Trump down to the mat, if we're, if we're using sort of a boxing analogy. I think she could have knocked him out, and she did not. Um, she was very defensive last night. I don't think she talked about exactly what she wanted to talk about. I think she was unsettled by Trump. I mean, he was very aggressive. Uh, he talked about the issues that he wanted to. He skated very quickly by, you know, the the issue du jour, which of course is the the audio that was released. Um, I guess Friday afternoon is when I first heard it. So I, I mean, he survived. He survived. He, you know, you're not going to walk away and go, oh man, well he was just great. He was phenomenal. But I don't really give anyone a clear victory except he does advance to, you know, the next day. I don't think he will continue to see. Uh, Republicans nationally, senators, congressmen, governors, probably uh, leaving him at least until the next tape drops. I guess we'll have to see if there's a next tape because there's certainly a lot of rumors about that. But I, but I do think that that Hillary did not have a strong night. I I don't think she did at all. Brandon, did Hillary need to do more last night? You know, I think Austin is being pretty fair. Um, we've 
had people observe over the years that these presidential contests have increasingly less and less to do with the actual job. And I think last night was exhibit A in that. Um, I look at Trump and I think if you're judging him on the scale of he's been hemorrhaging support and he needed to stop the bleeding, he probably did. So if you say that a win is classified by he won't get kicked off the ballot by his own party, he's probably succeeded. Um, on the other hand, if you're in Clinton's camp, it's do no harm. I mean, I think at this point you are um, by all accounts heading towards the presidency. And so you want to make sure you don't make any missteps. And while she didn't capitalize like she should have, I don't think there was anything that sent her off of that course. You know, uh, an expression we hear often with Donald Trump is he's doubling down on what he said. So, Austin, can you comment on his response to the uh, what he called earlier the locker room comment and seemed to reiterate on that point? Oh, Lord, don't get me trying to defend that or talk about that. I'd rather try to pivot out. Uh, look, there, I mean, it's a big issue. And I, I, I want to answer your question. It's a huge issue. I, 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 we'll see if it's an issue that he can overcome. Uh, here's what we know. He's got a rock-solid group that are for him. And I don't know if that's 40% of the electric, 35%. I'm not sure what it is. But there is a group that will not leave him. And I think much of that is they just dislike Hillary Clinton that much. Um, I'm 41. Um, Republicans who were my age or maybe 10 years or older remember the Clinton days, the scandals with the Clinton administration, the involvement that Hillary had in, in much of this. And it's very difficult for them to move past their disdain for Hillary Clinton. So I think that group um, is just never going to leave Donald Trump no matter what. Brandon, what about uh, Trump going after, and, and actually the moderators bringing up the emails, Syrian refugees, um, Donald Trump inter interrupted her to to make some of his points and to reiterate some of his points. Did that hurt her? We mentioned her being on the defensive. Yeah, you know, the email stuff is fair game, and she's apologized twice. She's gotten to the point now where I think she's sort of finally found a way to talk about that without doing more damage. But it's certainly fair to talk about that. Now, you know, if you want to get into style points, I mean, look, he's a bully, and he looked like a bully last night. And I don't think anybody that wasn't in his camp before last night moved over there based on how he handled the debate process. But to bring up... Syria, hey, that's a that's a huge issue. You can't not talk about Syria. But frankly, the biggest point on Syria last night was him doubling down on Hassan. No one in the in the be it Republican or Democrat that studies foreign policy thinks that Syria is a good friend of ours. And in fact, they've invested a lot of energy in taking down the moderates. So that was a strange breakaway. And he he used that moment to say, "I'm not Governor Pence," which I thought was took a bizarre night and made it even more bizarre. I don't want to miss the forest for the trees here. we got to talk about the emails. It's a huge issue. I think most Americans, particularly people who, who consider themselves independent Republicans, think she broke the law, think she should have to face some kind of penalty, a courtroom, a judge, something. So he's on the Donald Trump is on to something. The problem was when he when they and I thought the moderators, they did bring up emails. He was able to pivot to that, but he would just jump in right over her. Bring up emails. Let her. She has no defense there. She she has no great can lines. She does not have a good answer there. His mistake was as soon as 
emails would come up, and as soon as she would begin to answer it, he would just bully and jump in. That is a that's a fantastic opportunity for him to hit her on emails and Benghazi. But he was so over aggressive. I think he I think he, he that those issues were not as helpful for him because he didn't just you know uh, give her some rope and go let her hang herself on those two issues. Yeah, it's it's really hard to figure what he learned from his folks who were helping him do this debate properly because. He had so many opportunities to let it breathe, and he didn't. But I, So I think you're exactly right. But it seems to me that given the opportunity, he almost always veers towards the cartoonish. It's like you can't just attack on the merit. You have to say, oh, well, she's going to jail. Well, yeah, because I'd put her in jail. That's bizarre. We don't we don't have debates of that kind in American politics. And again, he should let he should just the email issue is a huge issue. It is for independents, for Republicans. They're on his side on this. You know, they're on the side of the angels on this issue because they think she did something seriously wrong. And if it was anybody else but Hillary Clinton, they'd be in a courtroom. Yeah. All right, let me move on. Some notable Republicans have now thrown up their hands and stepped away from Donald Trump based on that tape released on Friday afternoon. In this state, Governor Bryant said, yes, they were horrible comments. He has not withdrawn support. How does it hurt the Republican Party for those who have stepped away? I mean, it seems that Republicans are caught between a rock and a hard place. They support their party. Donald Trump is the nominee for the party. Austin, you address this. You're the Republican in the room. What's the what's the reconciliation here, or is there any? Listen, you know, um, Donald Trump is our nominee. Donald Trump and Mike Pence are our presidential and vice presidential candidates. We move towards November the eighth, um, and they're not the only they're not the only election that we have to worry about. Um, our U.S. Senator Roger Wicker, excuse me, one of our two U.S. Senators, Roger Wicker, is the chairman of the National Republican Central Committee. It is imperative that Republicans do everything they possibly can to uh, maintain the majority in the U.S. Senate. We've got AG races. We've got congressional races. We've got gubernatorial races all throughout the country that we also have to focus on. So we can't take our eye off the ball of those very important races as well. It's not just the top. It's not just the presidential race that's so important for Republicans. We've got to make sure we go and fight to win these other races, too. Karen, if I could, I I think that Austin deserves some credit. He spent a good bit of this year and last year in service to good, reasonable candidates and was part of that group of Republicans that saw the danger in a Trump candidacy. And so that this has been hard to watch through that lens. And and so as a Democrat, you know, you want to win races. You want to win elections. We believe our policy puts the country on better footing. But you also want your opposition party to be the best reflection of what the opposition is so that the American voters get an honest-to-goodness choice. And what Trump has done with this circus is take that away. It's degraded the process, and the Republican Party has an albatross around its neck that it forces it into some very tough decisions. But, you know, both of these candidates are polarizing. And as you said earlier, Austin, there are people who hate Hillary Clinton. There are people who hate Donald Trump. Will that keep people home? On election day, I don't. That's a great question, and I don't know the answer to that. Um, the, the disdain for both candidates may have. We may have a large turnout. I, I, I just don't know the answer to that. They're the two most unpopular general election nominees in the history of polling and presidential elections. We're just about out of time, but. 
20 seconds each. What can we expect the next for the next debate, Brandon? Well, y- you both heard me off mic kind of thinking out loud as to whether Hillary ought to show up anymore. I, I think she will. But uh, this has turned into spectacle. And I think her, her path moving forward is to keep her head down and, and not do any harm. Austin? Yeah, I, we just don't know because we don't know what else will come out about Hillary's email issues. We don't know what will come out about comments Donald Trump may have made off um, what he thought was off the record. We just have to wait and see in the next you know, eight to 10 days and see what happens. And uh, we'll, be, we'll certainly be looking forward to it. Austin Barber and uh, Brandon Jones, thank you both for coming in today. Up next, a visit from the experts of Everyday Tech on streaming services. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This election year has been unpredictable, and it can be hard to keep track of what's true or not. But NPR's election team wades through it all so you don't have to. Be informed. Listen to this station every day. This is Everyday Tech on Mississippi Edition. I'm Sherita Brent here with J.D. Spencer of Spencer Web Solutions. And today we're going to be talking about some streaming services. We'll talk a little bit about Chromecast, what it does and how it works. Good morning, J.D. Thanks for joining us. Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me, Sherita. Lots of people are exploring different options when it comes to watching television and movies. Some people don't want cable. Some people want to access all their streaming services like Netflix and Hulu all in one. Is that pretty much what a Google Chromecast is designed to do? Sure. Google Chromecast is a streaming media player device. And what that means is it takes content from the Internet and it displays it on your TV using your mobile device or your computer internet browser or whatever device that you have through the Chrome browser and also through the Chromecast app. So you need the app. Do you need any other materials like an HDMI cord or what do you need to hook it up to the television? Yeah, so so Chromecast works through um, an HDMI port on your TV. At a bare minimum, you are going to need a TV with an HDMI port on it, and you're going to need a plug-in because it does have a plug that connects and provides power to the the little stick. Okay, so once we get the Chromecast up and working, um, what all can you do from it? Can you watch Netflix if you have a Netflix subscription? Can you watch it through the, the Chromecast? Yes, you can. That's one of the advantages of Chromecast is not only the price, but the fact that it works differently than Roku or Apple TV or Amazon Fire, some of the other major streaming devices. All those players have on-screen interfaces that display channels and apps that can be played through them, and they all come with remotes and stuff to navigate through their interface, whereas Chromecast, you find content you want to watch or listen to on your mobile device, you know, whether it be an Android device or an iOS device or in your Chrome browser, and then you cast that to your TV through the player through your Wi-Fi signal. And so basically all you need to get up and going is going to be either a mobile device or a Chrome browser or an iOS device. So you do have to have Wi-Fi for the Chromecast to work? Yes, you do. It connects whatever device that you're on. It will act as a remote control for the Chromecast, and it does that through your Wi-Fi connection. Now, for those individuals who have Apple devices, I'm a a new iPhone user. I have an iPod, I have an iPad, and now I have an iPhone. I've heard that an Apple TV 
is a really good alternative for a Chromecast. So do you think if you already have Apple devices that you should get the Apple TV? Definitely for Apple devices, I would say yes, Apple TV is the best option for Apple devices always. Um, But, you know, this is true for a lot of things Apple. Their devices are always set up to work better with their their software offerings. And, and, and really, to be fair to Apple, that's true across all manufacturers in that a lot of Microsoft off- offerings don't work well with Google offerings and vice versa. Um, but I would say, yes, for Apple devices, Apple TV is going to be going to work best with your Apple device. And for Android devices, I would say Chromecast is the best option because it is more integrated with uh, Android which is the operating system on, on, on any type of, like, Samsung or Kindle Fire device, that kind of stuff. But the downside, again, of using Apple TV versus Chromecast is the pricing. You know, Chromecast is going to cost you $35, whereas Apple TV is $100. So that's just something to consider. However, Apple TV is much simpler to use than Chromecast on certain things because of the complete integration, especially with Apple devices. And Apple is known for trying to create a user-friendly culture and integration with the devices in your home. Sounds good. Well, we will talk a little bit more about devices like the Chromecast and the Apple TV, even the Roku on Everyday Tech, the show this coming Wednesday. You can send us an email before or during the show to everydaytech at mpbonline.org. Then be sure to tune in Wednesday morning at 10 for Everyday Tech, the show on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening. From the Capitol steps to your front door, MPB News covers the state like no one else. Our team of award-winning journalists keeps you informed on the news affecting your life. MPB News, online at mpbonline.org and on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. State agency heads in Mississippi are wondering if recent budget cuts are going to continue next fiscal year. Many leaders are telling legislators recent budget cuts are affecting the job they've been tasked with. However, state economist Darren Webb says the state budget may once again be tight. Webb recently presented an economic outlook to the legislature, and the forecast is not optimistic. He tells us he uses analysis from a variety of indicators to get the full picture of the state economy. I think it's important to look at a host of no- measures. Like what we what we did the other day was to look at basically everything that I could find on on the state's economy, and I, I think it's important to look at at a, at a diverse group because one indicator may not tell the whole story. Has Mississippi always fallen below the national average? Not not always, but we have for the past, say, 15 to 20 years. Uh, Back in the 90s, we exceeded the the nation's growth. Years ago, Mississippi had a lot of uh, low-skill manufacturing jobs, and those jobs tended to be very responsive to uh, the business cycle. So whenever the business cycle would turn down, people would get laid off. and But then as soon as the economy began to pick back up, they'd get hired back. So we had a tendency to do a little bit better back then. Do, do, do your numbers in terms of employment, uh, are they just full-time or do they include part-time work? Uh, the employment numbers include full and part-time. We can't 
disaggregate between which are which or which. And and I suspect that a good number of the job gains we've had have been part time. Define for me real Mississippi GDP. GDP is a comprehensive measure of the economy. It's sort of like a measure of everything that is produced. Uh, The fact that it is real just means that we've adjusted for inflation. I was looking at your outlook there, and for 2016, it's 1.5, 2017, 1.7, 2.0 in 18, 1.9 in 19, 1.9 in 20. So they're very, very close. How do you look four years, five years ahead? Well, it's based upon what's what we see going on at the national economy as well. We we subscribe to a national forecasting agency and 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 their model feeds into our model. So it looks our model looks at what's happened in Mississippi's history and then also what is happening at the national uh, economy. So we look at what, what they're saying is going to happen in the nation, and if that's what's happening in the nation, then then based on our historical trends, this is what should happen in Mississippi. After the presidential election, when we have a new president, does that change the economic outlook? One of the things that I think that has really affected growth for the past several years has been a lot of uncertainty. Whether or not a new president brings about less uncertainty, I, I don't know. I mean, that's a very difficult question um, in terms of, of what the two candidates uh, right now, in terms of their policies that they're proposing, um, there's trade-offs. We we had a, the national forecaster. He was here uh, last week at the Outlook Forum, and, and he spoke, and he got that question. And, and as I recall, basically what he said is if, if Trump wins, uh, we, we, we take on debt maybe later on, but we get a little bit more growth now. If Hillary, maybe we have slower growth right now. I mean, I, I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was something to that effect. And, and the, the point was is it, it's a trade-off between the two, between short-term and long-term growth. Are there other circumstances, though – I'm thinking off the top of my head, terrorism, natural disasters, things that you can't foresee that change the economic outlook. Certainly. When the stock market drops or goes up, is that affecting overall economics? The stock market, not so much, because the stock market has a tendency to, to trade on whatever's going on in the in the on the headlines today. So so there's a lot of of hype, and then there's there's people get excited about things, and it uh, and they get discouraged by things, and so it tends to fluctuate more than what we might think of as the real economy. Certainly, things like national disasters, terrorist attacks, all of those things contribute. And and, and you're right; those are things we can't foresee. So so for example. Example, right now, our national forecast has a probability of recession somewhere around 15 percent. Where that comes from is we know there's always a chance of recession. It's sort of, sort of, so that's sort of our, our, our default uh, percentage. We, we tend to have a, a recession uh, once every six years on average, I think is what the national forecasters are saying. And so he, he assigns a 15 percent chance. So we're due is what you're saying if well, it's every six years. But, but well, I mean, not necessarily. It's just that there's always a chance of recession. What, what we're saying is uh, in terms of looking at the, the indicator right now, there's nothing that really signals any higher probability than, than average for recession. That's, that's a better way to look at it. In Mississippi, is there a difference in terms of economic outlook between jobs, the number of jobs, and the wages for those jobs? Oh, definitely. Uh, we, we've seen uh, the job growth has, has been uh, slow but steady for the past several years. We actually picked up in 2015 to 1.2%. That was the best we'd had in, uh, I think, since 1999. Uh, it's not strong growth. It's not strong compared to the nation or the other other surrounding states. But it's the best that we'd, we'd seen for a while. Uh, but a lot of those jobs are part-time, and a lot of those jobs are low-paying jobs. And so wage growth has, has really not been that great. Now, let me say this. you know, we, we, 2015, when we look at income, 
Uh, it was not a really it was kind of a down year for income growth, but the early indications for 2016 are that it it has improved, not strong, but it has improved over what we saw last year. Darren Webb is the uh, state economist with his economic outlook. Thanks so much, Darren. Thank you. Coming up after Mississippi Edition, it's Deep South Dining. Now you're talking with Marshall Ramsey and Southern Remedy. And remember, if you want to catch the show outside the broadcast, just search for Mississippi Edition in your favorite podcasting app and listen whenever you like. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 830 for the next Mississippi Edition, only on MPB Think Radio. know if you're in the middle class? Well, in the U.S. Middle class usually is some variation of if you're not scraping by, you actually can consume goods. I'm Audie Cornish. A look at how what Americans buy defines who they are, plus analysis of the second presidential debate later on All Things Considered from NPR News. Today at four on NPB Think Radio. Support for Mississippi Edition comes from Trustmark, featuring Trustmark Deposit Express, ATMs for business and personal banking. No deposit slips, no envelopes, no waiting. Most deposits made by 9 p.m. weekdays are credited that day. Details at Trustmark.com, member FDIC. It's Marketplace Tax for Monday.